Welcome to the Deepwater Podcast. I'm Dave Mercer. I'm James Judd. And our goal on this podcast is to learn to make disciples the way Jesus made disciples. Yes, sir. episode of the Deepwater Podcast. We're glad you joined us today. Today I want to talk about, I've been going through Luke with this guy, Disciple, for, eh, since we started discipling, basically. And as I've been recently, I've been hitting in about chapter 13 and 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. I guess you know I can count now. The thing Jesus keeps saying over and over and over again to me is like you need to be among the lost. And when I'm seeing his life, what I'm seeing is like, wow, Jesus was always among the lost. And the specific verse I just wanted to talk about that really struck me, it's in Luke chapter 13. The specific verse is 20 and 21, but I'm going to read you at 18. Then Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted it in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air perched in its branches. Now verse 20 and 21. Again he asked, What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. So as I was reading this, I was just thinking about this need to be like mixed through the dough. Like the kingdom of God, he's comparing it uh, to like yeast that gets mixed through the dough. And it's just this idea that, that if we, or maybe the juxtaposition in my mind, if I'm using that word correctly, is we, we see Jesus is saying like the kingdom of God means like being mixed all out throughout the, throughout the dough, throughout through, through the flour. But what we see so many times in, in Christendom is like we're all huddling together in our yeast packet, if you will. And basically yeast doesn't do any good when it's all together. And you could pour some water on it and ruin a bunch of it, or you can just let it sit there and do nothing. Those are kind of your two options until I think I'm not much of a baker, more of a baker eater, bakery eater. You can let it sit there until I believe it dies, and then once again, it's no longer useful. The, the thing yeast has to be done has to be spread throughout the flour, and it doesn't take very much. And the comparison, what's going on in my mind is that like we as believers, I'm going to say maybe I'm going to say we're the yeast and we have to be spread out among the flour. You could also, maybe you can make some other arguments about where the Holy Spirit is, or maybe the Holy Spirit's the water, we're the yeast, the flour is the world. Anyway, you can figure out how you want to make that analogy. But the point is, is that we have to spread out and we can't just stay. And sometimes what I see and what I've lived myself sometimes in Christian culture is like, I'm huddling together. It's like, oh, I don't want to be stained by the world. I want to, I don't want to be led astray by the world. And believe me, I know that, like, I think about my kids, you know, like, you know, I want them to be like fully, fully part of the kingdom of God. And I want them to become warriors in the kingdom of God and like arrows shot out in the kingdom of God. But sure, I'd sure like to keep them safe. And I sure don't want them being led astray. And man, there's lots of places to be led astray. But Jesus says it's like yeast that has to be worked out throughout the dough. And I feel like when we huddle together and when we don't engage the lost, we're like this packet of yeast that just just sits in this sits in its packet. And I'm just going to say for a minute, let's let's pretend your church building is your packet. Like when you just huddle together in there. Every now and then a lost person comes in. Every now and then you invite somebody in. But what you're 
what that idea is like, it's like taking a, some flour and dropping a little bit of flour in your in your yeast packet. Well, it doesn't work out that way. That's not the way bread and that's not the way dough is made. The yeast has to be out and mixed into that. So how do we do that? It's a good question. You know, C.T. Studd, who was a he was a missionary to China, I want to say 1860s, maybe 1880s, somewhere there. He was actually, he was English. Uh, he served with Hudson Taylor's organization. And he was like a world-renowned cricketer. And not the guy that like goes and catches or kills the little bugs with wings, but he played the sport of cricket. And apparently he was like very good. He had spent hours devoting himself to this thing of cricket, this game of cricket. And the came, time came where God convicted him, and then God convicted him to go to China. And he has this quote. He said, Some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Pretty pretty potent words. For us, like, are we going to huddle together where it's safe or so we assume safety, where everyone thinks the same thing are, where our, our views aren't challenged, where our faith isn't challenged, where... We can just kind of coast through this cultural Christianity. Are we going to live there, or are we going to get together with a couple of other people and say, let's go out and let's be among the flower. Let's mix ourselves out. Let's let Jesus mix us out amongst the flower, and let's use the Holy Spirit, or I call the warm water that we would put on that, that would cause the yeast to then activate and create change. So with this analogy, you know, like we can't do it. Just putting yeast out in the flour doesn't do anything good unless the water's there. Man, if I'm a horrible baker, you guys can correct me. Someone can. The same way, just being out among the lost people with us doesn't really do much. But if we're out in the lost people with the power of the Holy Spirit, we're out there and we're seeing what Jesus is doing and we're allowing him to work in us and through us among them, that's what the kingdom of God is like. That's where the kingdom of God grows. And that's what we want to be. And if we're going to say we're going to be a disciple of Jesus, Jesus said explicitly in Luke 19, verse 10, he said, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Like if we're following Jesus, we will be among the lost. And it's a strike against us when we're not. And if you look at your life and you say, man, right now I'm, I'm kind of not really among the lost. Well, let's reevaluate. What can we do? How can we change so that we are among the lost? And when I say among the lost, I'm not thinking about like going and knocking on every door in town. You know, that, that might work. It might not. I feel like there was a time in history where that was probably more culturally acceptable and people were more open to listening to somebody. Came and knocked on their door and wanted to talk about God. At this point in time, generally speaking, if God tells you to do it, go do it. I don't think that's the way to do it. I think the thing is, is to have genuine friendships with lost people. Genuine relationships. You invite them to your house. They invite you to your house. You go out and eat together. You work together. You play together. Now, it's really great when it can be like you and a Christian friend that are doing this together. Some goodness, because we also don't want to be like sucked off into the world. But rather, we want Jesus working in us and through us to act on them. One of the awesome things about Jesus is he he spent time with horrible people. Horrible people. But he never became horrible. The horrible people, they didn't all become good. The Pharisees. 
which he had dinner with sometimes, certain Pharisees. But the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the zealots, the lepers, you know, like all the, there's a lot of people that did and, and they changed. And boy, it's tough. And, and we have to be aware of what our temptations are and, and be wise. But at the same time, we need to go out in the power of Jesus, expecting that he's going to change those around us, that we're going to watch and, and be a part of it. And I just want to say again, you can't really follow Jesus and not find yourself among the lost. I just can't see any way around it. And so then when we're discipling somebody, that same thing is true. We need to be modeling how to be among the lost. We also need to be taking them with us among the lost, and we need to be evaluating what they're doing among the lost. And again, it's not about just like these days in America, my perception. It's not about like slapping your testimony on them or slapping a track in their hand and running away. There's a book. I never finished it, started it, but it's called I believe it's the Concentric Circles of Evangelism. Maybe it's just Concentric Circles. What he talked about is, generally speaking, especially if we look through the Bible, through the book of Acts, what we see is that the the gospel would move out, generally speaking, it moved out through concentric circles. You know, like in the first circle is you, and then it's like your immediate family and super close friends, and then it's like more distant family and acquaintances, and then it's like business relationships, and Finally, on the very edge is like this person that you don't know. And so much of our evangelism training, our training for lostness or how to be among the lost in the Western church is about how I in circle one can go out to circle this person in circle seven that I don't know. And there's some there's some okays with that and there's some issues with that. The okays are when you're like Philip and God says, hey, I want you to go out to the desert road. And you go out, and there's the Ethiopian, and God miraculously provides this person of peace, and he he's reading Isaiah. You know, like, God clearly used that, so I don't knock that. But on the other hand, just as a general rule, if I'm going from the innermost circle straight to the outermost circle, there's not a lot of relational danger there. Like, if I go tell you about Jesus or say, hey, would you like to talk about Jesus? And you say, no, get the out of my face. It's like, oh, my feelings are a little hurt maybe, but I don't know you. I won't see you again. Who cares? So the the cost is little, but also usually the results are little. Even if they do believe, you know, like how now I've got to start forming some kind of relationship with them, or essentially I will have led them to the Lord and then I will have abandoned them as a spiritual parent because I need to disciple them now. The corresponding thing is that when we go to those closest to us that don't know the Lord, the the relational cost is high. You know, if I go to this friend or this coworker and I talk to them about Jesus and I share the good news of Jesus with them and they reject me or they get mad, get the out of my face. Now all of a sudden I got to go back to work the next day or I'm going to see you at the next family reunion or, you know, like there's a cost is high, but the correspondence is that your results are a lot, usually a lot better. And so when I'm thinking about being among the lost, what I'm thinking about is hopefully doing what Jesus did. Now, Jesus preached, Jesus teach, but he invited himself to Zacchaeus' house, and he invited 12 lost people to go walk around Israel with him. I think he did it pretty relationally. You can challenge me on that. But that's what I'm looking to do. Is And I can, I can target people. It's okay to say, like, I would like, there's this group of people, I don't really know them, but I've identified them. There's not many believers if any, in that area, 
you know, so you can make strategic plans for how you're going to get there and how you're going to begin working them as opposed to just telling them on the very far outside circle about the gospel. Maybe it's better to work them into some circles where now they're in circle two or three or, you know, they're an acquaintance or a coworker or someone you run into, a business associate. Now that you've brought them closer, you're much, much more well able to share with them. So I think we're looking for genuine friendships. So that was, when I looked at that, that's what struck to me. I would encourage you asking yourself, what can I do to be among the lost? That is one of the great things about the business as mission movement or just, you know, being being a Christian in your workplace, actively living for Jesus where you're at. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing about it is that you're surrounded by lost people. The people that often have the very hardest time being around lost people are church pastors and church staff. And it's because all of their work, in theory, I mean, in theory, we would say like, oh, yeah, they, they're going to be around the lost. But practically speaking, they're administering to a group of believers and they're serving a group of believers and they're leading Bible studies for a group of believers. And it actually takes a lot more work, a lot more intentionality for them to make relationships with lost people than it is when you're working. Like, for example, when I was in the army, it was much easier for me to be around lost people because I was every single day. And I, in fact, we all lived together. So, you know, like we were just surrounded and so it was very easy to be around them, and those kind of conversations were more likely to come up. Anyway, I digress. I encourage you to ask God, meditate on that. It's Luke chapter 13, 20 through 21. What would it look like for the kingdom of God to be yeast in your life that's been spread, that, that someone mixed and mixed all throughout the flower? What would that mean for your church to be like that? If you are a pastor, I mean, I think you have the I think you have an obligation to be out there as well yourself, but what would it mean? What would it look like to spur your your congregation towards that? And part of that, I know we always like, I like to, you know, like, I'll preach a sermon, you've all heard it, and now go. It's often best if you can take some with you, figure out how to do do your stuff that way. There's a fellow that I like and listen to, and one of the things he said and that he did is he would go do his sermon preparation and he's a little bit more gutsy, but he would go do it uh, at this coffee shop that was known for a lot of LGBT people. This was kind of their coffee shop in the area. So he'd go do his sermon prep there. And, you know, he's there studying the Bible. And if a conversation comes up, he's at least among lost people. And he, you know, pushed the envelope a little bit and, uh, you know, and, and built some friendships, genuine friendships. So just as an idea what can you do to kind of move some of your things so that you are more along the lost? On a second note, something new I want to start doing with the podcast. I was reading the other day, it was from discipleship.org, I believe it was Bobby Harrington, and he was talking about discipleship trends for 2019, what he thought things were going. And one of the things he was saying is we see, it used to be that the conversation was like you were trying to convince people to make disciples. They said that's slowly changing and it's getting to where more and more, like, I don't have to convince you that we need to make disciples or that we need to move. But like people, pastors will come to and say, listen, we know we need to go back to disciple making, real disciple making. But their question is always, but how do we do it? And that's a challenge and it's not a simple answer. But one of the things I'm, I want to start doing for at least a little while, we'll try it out and see if it goes good. I want to just start telling you basically what I'm doing with the guy I'm discipling right now kind of on a weekly thing. It'll probably be a little shorter. It'll probably sit, be separate from our main 
Tuesday release of the podcast that week. He has given me permission to do it. So I'll give you a little story on him. And then kind of like, this is what I'm doing. You may see me come back saying, this is something I messed up. You may hear me say, these are some things that I wish I was doing that I'm not doing well with him. But just trying to say, like, this is how I'm discipling him. This is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm trying to do. Again, not saying I've got it all figured out, but at least hopefully it'll give you like, it's kind of like, maybe, hopefully it'll be like having a, a ant den. You know, one of those with cla- with glass walls and you can look in and see what the ants are doing. So hopefully we can do that and we'll make it. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I still got to respect his privacy a little bit and that kind of stuff. But hopefully we'll give you a little better idea into what that looks like. In a lot of ways, I think you find out, you know, discipling is not near as fancy as I thought it was. And the truth is, in one of my favorite interviews from last year with Dan McNaughton, he says, really, I mean, it's God that's going to do the work. We're just kind of along for the ride. And and anyway, we're going to jump in. We're going to give it a try. I hope you enjoy that. I hope uh, it's beneficial to you. Well, I'm going to leave you here. I sure appreciate you guys joining with me on this one. Hope you have a great week. Hope you get a great chance to start making some disciples. Hope you're disciple making. If you're not, if you're not making disciples, I hope that you will. Uh, for me, you could lift up a couple things. Boy, we took a trip to Oklahoma this week. It's been my first trip after I had my back fusion, the first long trip. And I'm a little bit, ugh, that hurt a little bit. Anyway, we're trying to get back in the swing of things. We just got back tonight. If you'd lift that up for me, that would be great. Second, I have a friend that is a chaplain, prison chaplain. And so this Saturday, I'm going to go through their volunteer training so that I can go into the into the prison. And we're going to start trying to do what's called a discovery Bible study with some prisoners there one day a week. So I'm pretty excited about that. would really appreciate it if you would lift us up on that. And until next time, we will talk to you later. Mm-hmm.